Welcome to Pearson Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 237. Oh, we made it. (laughs) We made it. It's kind of weird because, you know, we're down to one episode a week just for now. Right. And we don't know what the just for now will be, but I'm so used to like, you know, fast moving. And but I feel like because we do one episode a week, we put a lot into each of these episodes. That's right. Right. Not that we weren't doing that before, but I feel like they're very, very heavy with content. That's right. That's right. And today we're talking about staying in your own lane. Stay in your lane, boy. Stay in your lane. I'm just kidding. We're actually we're moving away from that because we have a few episodes about that and the importance of staying in your lane. And today we're talking about changing lanes. Yes. We're changing it up a little bit. So I don't know. I, I, I was trying to think of a good title, but the reason being is I was pondering the last year and I would say 2020 was a transformative year for you and me as far as reselling goes. I, at least I think so. You might be like, no, Orlando, I'm doing the same thing. But I found, I don't know, you know how people like motivation people are like, I found like my purpose. Like, I'm not saying I found my purpose or anything, but I, I think I've finally figured out what works for me and what's in my lane. And we did have an episode, I think it was like episode 15, where it was like stay in your lane or, or don't, you know, do what works for you or something like that. Yeah, we've had one recently too. Similar concept. Did we really? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is not the same. No. So don't tune us out. Yeah, no, now we're talking about the importance of, of kind of adapting, finding what works and, and remain, remaining flexible. And that's a, a concept we, we like to talk about a lot because it's really important that we're, we recognize that what you do well now may serve you well for a long time, but it also, you, you might be missing opportunities. And if you've got everything, if you've got all of your eggs in one basket, right? In order to mix a bunch of metaphors here, if you've got all of your eggs in one basket and then something <laughs> happens, you're, you're in a rough place. And I think 2020 was a, a great opportunity to show people that, there are not very many durable trades out there anymore. A lot of, I mean, there are durable trades. There are durable careers, but a lot of people who believe the, you know, just go to college, get a good job. Wait, at, did you just say there aren't a lot? And then you said there are? There there are, there are durable trades, but okay. they aren't the trades, they aren't the the jobs that people tend to think of, right? Like when people think saying. of success, okay, okay. Yeah. people are thinking, you totally know, different, go yes. get a Fortune 500 job, go get a job in corporate America, and you're going to be set for life and you're going to be, you know, smooth sailing. And 2020 showed us that that those types mm-hmm. of jobs aren't always durable. And reselling, because it's one of the oldest professions, it's not the oldest. In fact, there's kind of another that, that's, profession that's, that's considered oldest. Far different podcast, um, but it's one of the older professions in the sense of all you're really doing is you're you're finding some goods and you're providing those goods to somebody else, right? That it's it's just selling 101. It's economics. It's at the, the heart of what we do. And people in the past would, you know, maybe they farmed, maybe they did whatever, and they'd go to a, they'd go to the marketplace and they'd sell their goods. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing. We're connecting buyers and sellers. But the problem is um, we can so often get caught in, this is the only way to do things. And then as times change around us, um, as, as trends change, the reselling career, the reselling force has proven to be one that's going to stay strong and keep going. However, you've got to have some flexibility within there. Or there's the other side too, where you only see things that you have to always adapt, 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 which adapting is good, but there's a difference between changing lanes and you're in the wrong lane because you should have just stayed where you're at. Mm. Right. And that was working for you. And, and you were better reselling this way than trying to find whatever was on social media or trying to be like somebody else. And then 
you may not notice it, but you think you're making more money and you're actually not. Yeah. And so there, there's different ways of approaching this. And I thought we'd approach both sides of this. Uh, but before we get started, hey, let us know in the comments, what is one thing that you have stuck doing? Is that proper English in any way at all? It's fine. What is one way, what is one thing you've continued doing from the beginning of your reselling that you found to be very profitable? That no matter, you know, what eBay dropped, no matter what you saw on social media, no matter what the YouTube trend was, that you're like, this has always worked for me and I want to keep doing this. Uh, but before uh, we start moving, I just want to let you guys know, hey, please hit that subscribe button and that bell notification because uh, we're dropping videos twice a week outside of the podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of, I believe, valuable content and some of that. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. Somebody had noticed and said one of our comments, love the brevity on your videos. Mm. Right. And I always want to keep right to the information. I could do all this B-roll and I could, you know, show myself walking. I show the beach because we're in San Diego or I could show myself not making coffee because I don't do coffee, but pouring myself a glass of Diet Dew. But I don't want to waste your time. I want to get right to the content and I might do some B-roll every once in a while, but we appreciate that. Please know that whenever we drop stuff, we're not looking, you know, yeah, monetization is nice, but we want to provide you value overall, right? This is what we've always been about since day one up here as a podcast. So let's get started here. Uh, so this is going to kind of deal with new resellers and, and maybe if you're experienced, this might relate to you, but you first have to figure out what lane, like what, what works for you. Right. And in the beginning, did you find that to be tough when you were first starting? It was three years almost now. Yeah, it's been it's been over three years since I started reselling and almost three years since we started the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I I noticed I gravitated towards things I was already interested in. And then also I was I was very interested in just making money. And so in my mind, there was like, okay, there's money in knickknacks. So I started looking at knickknacks, even though now I don't pick up lots of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time like researching those and, and, and I would look up them up at garage sales, but I found that, okay, older books, whenever I saw older books, like I got excited because I love books. And so sometimes I would find ones that I was interested in. Even if I wasn't interested, I find ones that would sell. Same thing with board games, same thing with certain vintage electronics, because those are things that I was interested in. Um, and what I kind of had to figure out was um, what was I most interested in, but also what was the easiest to process? Because as time has gone on, although I still sell a lot of board games and I love board games, they're one of the more challenging things to ship, right? And electronics, as much as I love old audio equipment, it can be a pain to test and ship. Whereas certain things like certain clothing items, shoes, uh, certain home goods, they're much easier to store, ship, list. And so finding what you're interested in um, do a little bit of everything, right? Like when you're first starting out, it's a good opportunity to dabble. And if you've been reselling for a long time, try a few things. It doesn't hurt to have a handful of hard goods if you're primarily a, a clothing person, because then you can start to figure out how how hard is it to, to take pictures of these? How hard is it to ship these? And you might end up realizing, you know what? I actually like this a little bit more. It's a little bit easier to list, you know, these hard goods than it is to list a, a shirt because I don't have to do all the measurements and all this. And you might find that, uh, you might have a preference to something, maybe 90s clothing, but you also have a preference towards the ease of listing of, I don't know, knickknacks. So you kind of have, uh, you get to dabble a little bit. And the hard part is you can get really stuck in one thing. I remember I was just doing used shoes almost consistently for a long time. 
And then as I started, you really to, have to want to do that. Too. Yeah, yeah, you have to want to. And I still pick up used shoes, but now I'm, I, I notice sometimes I don't even look at used shoes when I'm at a garage. So I'm looking at other things instead. And so if you get stuck in one lane and you're not willing to like, at least try, you know, give yourself a monthly, I'm going to spend $50 a month on stuff I don't normally pick up just to kind of figure it out, figure out if this is something that I enjoy listing, taking pictures. Um, do I enjoy sourcing it? Do I enjoy researching it? And if you get a couple of items in, you're like, this sucks. Then you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. And so I'm kind of moving to the other side. I mean, we're presenting different perspectives. This was awesome about the podcast. So I used to always say, yeah, like, you know, go inside a store, look stuff up and research. And I think you still should. I mean, we had a whole episode about how to make more, more money at thrift stores. I think that's there. But when you're trying to really find your lane, like what's what are you good at? Right. So there's the beginning. I, I would say the discovery phase where you're like looking stuff up, you're going through the store, you're going to garage sales. But eventually, right, you got to figure out what you're most knowledgeable about. Right. And so I know in my own experience you know, 90s gear, I'm super knowledgeable about, about excuse me, knowledgeable about. Uh, I don't wear it right now. Like, I don't, you won't, you won't see me wearing a starter jacket for the most part. I mean, every once in a while I'll wear it. You won't see me wearing Allen Iverson shoes. You won't see me wearing cross color overalls. You won't see me wearing that stuff. But I grew up in the 90s and I wore all that stuff. I bought all that stuff. I mean, I was into like all, all the, I hate saying this, all the kids or into like Supreme and, and all those, I don't even know if Supreme is a brand anymore that people are into. It's still hot, but you know, all the Nike shoes, all the sneakerheads. I was one of those individuals in the 90s. I had every pair of Jordans. I had every pair of Allen Iversons. I had all the starter jackets. I mean, that was my go-to. Like every day was like Orlando's like, uh, you know, 90s fashion show. Uh, and, you know, and, and the school that I was at, like, you know, you found out what was trending because everybody started wearing. I remember Nike Cortez. Like everybody had a pair of Nike Cortez. And then it was about the Fila's, the Fila suede shoes. And then it was about the Reebok classics. And then, it, you know, and it just changed and it changed and it changed. So now that's my lane. And now it's hot. It's what people are looking for. So for me, I enjoy because it's nostalgic. It, it reminds me of stuff. It's good. Now I think about my son now that he's reselling with me and we will go to a thrift store. And I keep telling him, I say, hey, easy money is in used shoes. He does not ever go to the shoes. He doesn't. He, I all the time. I'll do like Instagram stories. And I'm like, this is how much I bought this for. How much it sold. He isn't even paying attention, right? He won't even look up. He doesn't care. But he'll go to video games. He'll go to toys. He'll go to books, and that's his lane. And he's making money in that lane. I mean, he's doing well. And so it's it's it, now when I say well, well for a 15 year old, right? Just starting off reselling. But he he that's his lane. Right. That's what he's knowledgeable about. That's what he knows. Like, I don't even have the knowledge that he has on, on certain kinds of books and certain kinds of video games, but that's what he knows. And so I, it really helps him. It keeps you motivated and it keeps you profitable because the more you learn about a certain niche, the better you're going to do. Like Mike's YouTube videos about tools. Right. I mean, that that is something I, I'm watching because I don't I don't know anything about tools. But if if I begin to enjoy, you know, sourcing tools and I get into that whole thing and become more knowledgeable, well, it's going to end up being profitable for me. Now, the second part of this is what is the easiest way to help you get started and take action or help you keep going out? We already talked about like you should, you know, it should be something that you're knowledgeable about, something that you understand, but he, this is what I mean. So you'll get on social media and you'll see people at the bins 
and they love the bins and they have major scores. And some of you that listen to us go to the bins and you pay a quarter and you're flipping it for 50 to 100. Other people love going to thrift stores, right? And they score at thrift stores all the time. Mike and I love garage sales. Like that is our bread and butter. At least I think it is. I mean, I, whew, this last garage sale was great. And so I enjoy doing that. But for me, right, going to garage sales is easy. We have garage sales year round, right? Thrift stores, it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult, right? Bins, forget about it. Like I want nothing to do with the bins, at least in San Diego. It's way competitive. There's too much drama. There's so many hoops to jump through. It is not worth it to me. Now, if if somebody had told you, hey, if you go to San Diego, in order to be a good reseller, you have to go to the bins and you were somebody like me, I would never take action on it. Right. I would maybe go once a month and and my reselling wouldn't take off. So for you, let's say you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's, you know, winter and it's snow. Garage sales probably aren't what you need to do, right? Because that's not going to get you motivated. That's not going to be profitable for you. But I do hear that sometimes in those areas, church rummage sales work. Maybe the bins work. I know people that drive an hour and they go to the bins for eight hours and they pick up hundreds of pounds of inventory. And so they don't have to source anymore. They're good to go. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. I mean, you got to... the. In one of our previous books that we did, one of the things they talked about in Atomic Habits was reducing friction mm. uh, in certain areas and creating friction in others. So you want to reduce friction in the areas that are going to be productive for you. So if um, if you if it causes friction to go to certain types of stores or to pick up certain kinds of items, then you want to either one find ways to remove that friction or stay away from that because it's slowing you down. Um, and then the inverse of that is true as well. If uh, if there's certain things you're doing that are maybe bad for your business, you want to maybe add some friction there. You spend way too much money at certain stores and you almost never resell any of it. You just keep it all yourself and you're actually watching your bank account go down, make some friction, right? So the only way I can go to that store is if I go to these three other stores and I at least source three times as much as I buy at this one, right? Whatever it is, you've got you've to use friction to your advantage. And if you've got something that's creating obstacles in your way to make money for us, bins, at least for us here, isn't isn't worth it. So that's friction. And if we were to go, it, it wouldn't be be worth it for us. So don't just look to what you see or hear on YouTube or on podcasts and say this is the only way to do it. You've got to find what works in your area and find that lane for you there, right? Because I see people, I we follow some people who are, you know, out of Utah and they're listing stuff and it's like, man, they're always getting North Face and they're always getting yeah. all of these brands, Patagonia. And it's like I I, I never see these brands. But you know, we see more more Hawaiian shirts and other things. So you, you can't just look and say, I'm only looking for this thing. You got to find what works in your area and capitalize on it. And I also say that applies to platforms, right? I During certain, certain times of year, I do Amazon. Like I'll do Amazon a lot in the summer because I'm more prone to travel. And so therefore I begin to find bolos and I decide where I'm going to go. During Q4, Amazon is my major moneymaker. And so for some people, maybe you're in a small space and it's, you know, your issue is a space, right? Like, what do I do with this? So maybe Amazon FBA is the road for you to go, right? Maybe eBay is initially too much of an obstacle because of the shipping and trying to figure out the shipping. So maybe Poshmark or Mercari work to your favor. Maybe you don't want to deal with returns. And so eBay may not be the platform for, for you. Now, I will say eventually, I do believe that eBay should be that platform for you. I think it's the most profitable out of all of them, excluding Amazon, but Amazon's a whole different discussion with 
you know, whether you're doing retail arbitrage, uh, private label and all the different ways you can sell on Amazon. But you you got to find what ends up working for you, because in, in, in the long run, like you could try to copy and try to be like other people. And I see it all the time. I mean, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day and said, oh, yeah, I watched this person on YouTube and I watched this person on YouTube. And I didn't say anything, but it was interesting to me because they don't do anything with the people that they watch. So to me, I'm wondering, okay, is it for entertainment purposes or are you actually learning? Because in my experience, what I ended up picking up was based on who I was watching. Right. So there's a lot of early YouTubers that I was watching. That's how I ended up picking up a lot of my knowledge about like hiking shoes and, and Harley and Hawaiian shirts. And then over time, I began to find out what I really enjoy doing. Now, the last one, and Mike kind of reiterated this, uh, you, you got to find what's most enjoyable, right? Because in the long run, you will burn out. Like I, you know, I may enjoy picking up pots and pans because it's profitable, but in the long run, I, I don't know if I care for that. Right? I don't look at a pan and go, unless it's like a Griswold that's going to bring in a thousand. I don't go like, yes, I can't wait to go home. You know, clean this up if it needs to be cleaned up, take the right pictures or electronics. We've talked about electronics so many times. Uh, to me, there's no joy in electro uh, certain electronics. Yeah. And this comes down to this is a privilege that you earn after enough time of hustle. Ah, a lot call. of times you get to a place where people come in new um, and it could be in any career, right? Uh, they come in and they want to already be at the top and they want to have all the freedom. Um, there's a good saying I like, which is money doesn't buy freedom, but it, it, it buys uh, it buys you opportunity and time, which you can use for whatever you want, right? Like, so in some ways it does buy you freedom. It buys you the ability to enjoy time and life. So it's the same thing with a business. So when you're first starting out, if you're trying to get your reselling business off the ground, you might not have the freedom to say, you know what? That's a $60 profit item right there. But I don't know if I'm going to enjoy listing it and you skip it and you keep doing that. You're, you're never going to grow. Now, as you build your store and you build your inventory and you start to grow, and you've got enough inventory and you've got enough money and cash flow coming in, then you could start to become more picky. You can start to to refine your business. But when you're first starting out, I would say go for what's profitable. You will earn the 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 right, as it were, to be more picky later on as you have that cash flow coming in. But if it came down to it, if I if I needed money, I'm gonna be reselling and I've got my job and I'll go flip burgers at McDonald's if it came down to it. Like I if I needed capital in order to make things happen, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if it's something I despise. But as you do that long enough and you're wise with how you spend your money, then you all of a sudden get the opportunities to use your time and money in ways you want to. So I would say find what's most enjoyable. And if you're just doing it as a hobby, that's great. But if you're trying to get from, I hate my my nine to five and I want to get to full-time reseller as fast as possible, you're going to have to go wherever the money is. And over time, you can kind of refine that. But enjoy the fact that what I find enjoyable maybe isn't testing VCRs and listing VCRs, but is the fact that I've got cash flow coming in and I've got freedom on the way. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I have a little different perspective. I'm more of like, you're not going <laughs> to, you're going to have a hard time going full time if it's something you don't like doing. Right. But I see what you're saying. Like it, it, it just depends which side of the hustle you're trying to work on. Right. Now, one of the things I do enjoy a lot is ordering from one of our sponsors, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. So they have great products. Before we move on to our next section, 
I got to tell you, you know, I just used an Instapack the other day and it was amazing. I had something you saw on the Insta stories uh, that I didn't want damaged. It was a Lionel Trains and they, uh, it was like a transformer and there was a case and they wanted the case intact. I sold it for parts. And the best way to keep that case intact was to use one of those Instapacks. It was crazy how it just surrounded it, cushioned it, and it wasn't moving and made it safely. So they have several products on there. Pretty awesome. The best, obviously, American Bubble Boy would be their bubble wrap. I mean, there, there isn't no best. They're all good. But, you know, I pay 40 bucks, $39.99, free shipping, next day shipping, and I get 700 square feet. It's a four foot roll. It's awesome. They also have variety packs now. They're Instapacks. So you're like, I don't know if I want to, you know, go all in on an Instapack. Well, they have one where they give you different sizes and you can choose which is best for you. And now they also have free local pickup. If you can go to one of their warehouses near nearby, save you save yourself some change. Maybe on the way back from work, maybe on the on the way home, maybe on a road trip. I don't know. Well, their shipping's uh, already free, so you're saving time, right? Yeah, that is true. You're saving time, but it's actually cheaper too. Oh, okay, nice. right? So they're cutting you a deal on that. They're, they're nice. cutting you a deal. So uh, check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Use the link below. Uh, that's so American Bubble Boy knows that we sent you, and it's just an awesome deal. I just I, on a day daily basis, I use their product. So. AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about when do you need to change lanes? When, when is the time that you're like, ah, I'm in this lane and, and it's not working? So before you do that, though, you got to figure out why you want to change. Right. And the reason I say that is you, you, I, I'm big on hesitating on changing lanes if you find something that's working for you. So I'll, I'll talk about a little bit of my, my, my journey. So before the podcast, I thought I knew a lot. I didn't know anything. <laughs> In the sense that, you know, I watched so much YouTube. I mean, I would spend reselling YouTube. I probably helped people make thousands of dollars, how many hours I spent on it. And then when I got to the podcast, you know, it was different because now Mike and I were on, on social media. So we were on Instagram and Facebook, eventually on TikTok. I've even learned stuff on TikTok. And from all that and the connections that we made, I've learned how much I don't know. But here's one thing I did learn is that it is very easy to fall into this FOMO, like this fear of missing out because you're not reselling like somebody else, right? And it was interesting because uh, the other day uh, I saw somebody and they posted a 90-day total. That was an impressive 90-day total. I'm like, this is great. But at the same time, I also know that that person buys a lot of retail arbitrage, right? So they ha may have a 90-day total, but their profit may be only 30 to 40%. All right, there, there's someone else I know that their average cost for their goods is $3.50, right? And we're going to share one of the hustles of the week. And their 90-day total may be exactly the same, right? Or you, you go with somebody that goes to the bins and they go to the bins and they have the exact 90-day total and they're making way more profit. Or even less. Or even less, yeah. right? And so you can get caught up in this, like, I got to change lanes. You know, I got to be like this person. So there's a difference between you know, trying to copy someone and gaining knowledge from someone. I don't know the exact terminology. I'm sure there's some great quote I could throw out there. Right. But you got to be careful that, Hey, for example, there's some people we've had on the podcast. I couldn't do what they do. Right. I, I applaud them. We have them on the podcast because they're really good at what they do, but I couldn't follow what they do because one, it's maybe not my thing. And two, I'm not sure I would be as successful as they are because they have their system streamlined, streamlined and they know what they're doing. No, that's good. So I think that's good for anything. You always do a little bit of reflection and I'm really big on 
journaling or at least writing things out. Because a lot of times if you just live in your own head, um, it's harder to process stuff. The, the act of writing things out is is very helpful, whether you do it on a spreadsheet, maybe it's talking on a an Insta story or a video that you never show to anybody, but just doing the pros and cons, right? Like, why do I want to get into this new niche? Why do I, especially if you're going to be investing money, right? There's times where it's like, all right, do I want to spend $500 to try out this new niche? Okay, why am I doing this? Is there a future profit? What am I giving up? Because you're always giving up something, right? You're giving up that that money or opportunity cost you could be spending on something else. You can be spending that time that it takes to learn that, to learn something else or learn more about the niche already in. So you've got to check the opportunity cost. What are you giving up in order to gain this other thing? And once you do that list, the kind of the pros and cons, you can figure out, you know what? This is the best thing to do. This may be a, a better opportunity for me or it's worth the what I'm giving up to potentially gain this other thing. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's important. Um, our very first interview when we did uh, Craigslist Hunter, he mentioned this of just learning like one or two new niches a year, I think is a good way to, to go about it. And I kind of give myself like a $500 limit when I'm learning a new niche. And I do it like once or twice a year. And I say, all right, I want to try and learn. Like right now I'm doing this tool series. So I just put the money aside and I say, I'm just going to spend this money on tools and I'm going to spend a certain amount of time learning tools. And then it's not it's not sink or swim thing. And I'm taking time to do it. I'm not trying to, to, to switch all of my reselling. So I'm not really pulling a lot of energy and time away from something else. I'm learning a new niche. And then by the end of it, I can say, I loved this. This is great. Or this is not for me. But a lot of times people want to go all in. Hey, I saw somebody, they're doing really great on these Nike drops and they're getting all these shoes at yeah, Ross mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And so they stop sourcing these other things and they go 100% in on this and only come to find out that, well, I can't get the same shoes in this area or it's harder for this or whatever the situation is. I don't have the system streamlined yet. And you get in over your head. So figuring it out and, and taking it slow is not, and I do think you should go all in on the things you're doing, but but it's a good idea to not give up what you're already doing in order to go all in on something you're not sure about yet. So kind of spread spread the seed wide, right? So you can kind of see what works, what sticks, and um, and do it slowly and do it methodically. Um, but but definitely check before you just jump in because if yeah, if you're only doing it for pride's sake of like I need to do this because a YouTuber A is doing it and this person's amazing, well. Also, they might have hundreds of thousands of people trying to do the same thing and your competition in the market is just not there, right? Or it's it's too much to, to be successful. So really do the cost benefit analysis first. Yeah, agreed. I, I can tell you, I lost so much time in the first year of our podcast. And I believe I wasn't making money where I would see things on social media, maybe a hot item on Amazon or what everybody was picking up. Here's the bolo. And I would go spend hours and I'd go search and I made profit. It was still good. And it felt good that I was picking things up. But now I don't do that anymore. Like I'll see something. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe if I come across it, maybe if I'm at a at a big box store, I'll pick it up. But what I found was I was better off staying at home listing. Right. Sourcing what I know, looking for what I know. Right. And so you, you just got to be careful because it's very easy. And you have to understand that a lot of times when, when people are posting stuff, it's already after the fact. Maybe, you know it's in their area. It's, it's so hard. Now it's never wrong to gain that knowledge, right. To always have them back pocket. But I got to tell you, it's so easy. It's so easy <laughs> to get caught in this. Like I am missing on a lot of money. I better get out there. I better do this. You might be better off just saying, you know what? It sounds good, but I'm pretty profitable where I'm at. I'm going to stay here. Okay. Here's the other thing too, about changing your lanes. 
and this is going to sound like common sense, but it is common sense. Like, are, is what you're doing really profitable already? Like, is there, is there a need? So I'm going to get con- kind of controversial here. So, and, and you know, we do have, I hundred believe in the companies that we talk about on our podcast about cross posting. Like, I think if cross posting works for you, definitely use Vendu and our other sponsors that are on there. But for myself, like I got caught in this, like, I need to be cross posting. I need to be cross posting. And I found that for me, for me, cross posting was less profitable. Keeping it real. here, I got to keep it real. And the reason being is I was spending all this time cross posting and using other platforms. But the majority of my money was coming from eBay. Like I might have had stuff on Poshmark. I might have had stuff on Mercari. But it, all the time I spent cross-posting on there. Now, if you have somebody you can hire to do cross-posting, then it's totally worth it, right? If you got a VA or whatever company you use. But I found that over time, it just wasn't worth it to me. And so I I haven't cross-posted in a while, in a long. Now, some people say, well, you know, if it wasn't for cross-posting, I wouldn't have been able to get these sales over the weekend. And that may be true. But I always warn you, Take a look at where the message is coming from. Is it coming from a full-time seller? Is it coming from a part-time seller? Is it coming from somebody that just occasionally sells stuff? So if you get somebody that just occasionally sells stuff, they're like, wow, if it wasn't for cross-posting, you know, I wouldn't have had my sales on Poshmark. Well, maybe they only had like two sales on Poshmark and they had three on eBay, right? Or you have somebody that does it full-time and they have 50 sales over the weekend, right? And they may only have two on Poshmark and the other 48 were eBay, right? So you got, you have to be careful because I know I really got caught up in this cross post and I was talking about this the other day with the full-time reseller. And I'm just like, nah, you know, I stopped because all my money was coming through eBay and I found that my time was better spent just listing, listing, listing on eBay because that's where the profit was at. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, again, kind of going back to that idea with the trying new niches, I think, I think it's important as new um, platforms come up and as platforms change, like Facebook Marketplace is kind of hot right now. I think it's important that you're familiar with them, Mm, that you know how to use them, that you're utilizing them at least to some extent. uh, Because again, like 2020 showed us, we don't know if there's going to be a giant black swan event where where Mm -hmm. eBay goes down, right? And if you're already, maybe you don't have all of your items listed there, but if you've already got a reputation on Facebook Marketplace, if you already have a reputation on Poshmark, it might be easier to start migrating some stuff over there and utilizing those platforms and at least trying them out. Um, You know, you, you have gone from phases of being kind of obsessed with Gary Vee to now it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like once you've heard it, you've heard it. Um, But one of the things that he was really big on back in the beginning when we first started the podcast was, you know, as soon as a new social media, as soon as something new came out, he was always trying to be an early adapter because you never know what's going to like that. Yeah. And you never know what's going to, to take off and you don't want to be that person. That's like, I had my chance to get in, right? Like you're in a place where you got in early on Amazon mm-hmm. where now it's really difficult for people to get in on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We Agreed. don't know if the next platform that comes out where you have an opportunity if five years from now, you're going to be like, man, I wish I would have got on it then because I'd be in a much better place now. So okay, you right. should at least try out other things. Now, should you be trying to go full in and make each one your main business? Probably not, but at least, at least try out, get connected and, and familiar with different platforms so in case something happens or in case one really takes off, you're already have got the the wheels moving there. 
That's a great point. That's why I love doing a podcast with with a second person. If it was just me talking, I, I don't know if we get the same perspective. So, but but you bring a valid point, and this is why I know how to run Poshmark. I know how to do more current. I know how to do those platforms. Here's the thing, Vendu. I'm actually going to be doing Vendu. I just you just reminded me of this. Vendu now does cross posting to Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. right? So I'm gonna retract a little bit because it goes back to our first point, right? The, the idea of well, one of our first points, idea that if it's least path of resistance, right? So if I can cross post to Facebook Marketplace and I'm getting sales, then then why not, right? Why why not? So yeah, I definitely I gotta I gotta check that. Just remind me of that. So yeah, I, I say that I forget that sometimes like I know how to use those systems. So let's say eBay for whatever reason got shut down, it'd be really easy for me to go to another platform and just start posting on that platform. And by the way, I have Bonanza which I already cross-posted Bonanza, but it doesn't take any work. I just import all my listings and I'm good to go. Right. So, good. all right. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, before we keep moving forward, uh, I wanted to discuss, uh, Hey, you could always find us on social media. We are peers of podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are peers of cast on clubhouse and Twitter. And you could also shoot us an email. We buy, by the way, one of our hustles of the week is an email today. You can email us at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. That's purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. You could also uh, send us a voicemail or give us a call, which one of our hustles of the week today is a call. We're, we're just multi today. Yeah, we're a multimedia international company. <laughs> there you go. So give us a call. 619-738-1170. And always, uh, thank you so much for those of you that subscribe to us on YouTube. They are climbing. Our YouTube views are going up and the subscription are going up. So if you haven't yet, you've been listening to the podcast, we ask you to jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe, hit that bell notification. And thank you all for the iTunes reviews. They keep helping. Really appreciate that. And by the way, uh, we're still trying to work out with this whole Spotify thing. So if you're having trouble finding us, we're on several other platforms. What are some of the other platforms they can find us at? Yeah. So if you're a Spotify listener and you, you want to listen to early stuff, if you're currently listening to new stuff, great. Keep using Spotify. But you can find all of our podcasts on YouTube. You can find all of our podcasts on, if you're using iTunes at all, you can find all of our podcasts on Pocket Cast, on Google Play, any of the major platforms, Stitcher, all of them. You can find our podcast there uh spotify the old ones for whatever reason it's it's they're not moving over correctly we're trying to fix it but i'm not sure we're going to be able to fix it correctly Uh, so there's always options if you want to go back and binge all of our old stuff um, i would suggest looking at another platform for that but if you're like already caught up and you just want to listen to current stuff on spotify uh you're good to go or if you go to youtube and just help us out yeah 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 if you're uh, if you're a spotify listener why don't you join us over on YouTube and listen there? That'd be awesome. All right. All right. Also, I want to say thank you so much to all of you that have signed up for buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Our memberships keep going up and I really would love to do a pure hustle plus in the near future. And so uh, if you haven't yet, go to the link below, uh, purehustle.com slash not a pure hustle doc. We do have a we do have a website, by the way. Yeah, it's but, not really functioning at the moment. Yeah. But uh, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. If you do that, it's an easy way to sign up. You can you can support us with a one time donation or sign up for a monthly membership, and you can kind of get to choose that amount there. But it kind of defaults to five dollars. So that would be awesome if you can help us out by uh, 
you know, supporting us monthly. And then that makes it so that we can continue to produce more content, better content, do the research and all that's involved in there. And we want to say thank you to all of you who feel that we provided enough value over the last 237 episodes, plus YouTube videos and bonus episodes uh, that you feel like it's worth uh, helping us out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, It's really nice when somebody just says, Hey, I got a lot of value out of this episode. Here's a coffee. Right. Here's here's five or here's 10 or whatever it may be. Right. We're just we are grateful. So thank you so much. All right. Are we ready? Yeah, we are ready good one today for an exciting part of our episode Come on hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, we're bringing the hustles of the week. Good and our first one comes from Matt, IG handle riot underscore town underscore hustle. Uh, so riot town hustle was at the store that shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. And picked up a vintage Looney Tune statue. Nice. I like Looney Tunes. Listed on eBay and held out on the price for nine months. Hey, sometimes we say long tail is the way to go. Finally got the right buyer and sold a vintage Looney Tunes Gossamer hairy orange monster sitting statue for $160 plus shipping. Matt, Mr. Riot Town Hustle, that's the way to do it. And that the, what I really enjoy about it, that is you were willing to uh, you were willing to, to hang on to it and not necessarily keep dropping the price. And a couple of things I forgot to put that in the notes. He paid three dollars, so three to one sixty, man. You know, I mean, I. It, you can sell these statues and for that kind of price. Uh, but even like my Humphrey Bogart statue, sometimes when you get something really cool like that, it's a little hard to sell. Uh, you can ask this guy next to me. He's still got his uh, Freddy Funko. Well, yeah, but you can't sell something you haven't listed. <laughs> so it's just, Now, I will say the reason this stuff is hot right now is we do have the new Space Jam movie that's dropping. So if you have any Lo- Lenny, Lo- eh, Lenny Tunes, if you have any Looney Tunes gear, make sure to get that listed because it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell, hopefully. All right. Next comes from Jeff IG handle Jeff Kujan music. I hope I said it right. You you're a repeat hustle of the week. And I hope I just spelled that correctly. Uh, found a vintage gray Nike hoodie with a small embroidered check in the middle. Right. And you see this hoodie and you don't think much about it, but he recognized that the hoodie wasn't really valuable on its own merit, but that the rapper Travis Scott was seen wearing a similar one. Again, trending stuff, right? He paid $6 and 50 cents. And it even was missing the Nike tag on it. But he listed on eBay and it sold within 20 minutes for $150 shipped. So trending stuff sells. I all trending, it's just it's so wild how all you need is a certain celebrity to wear a certain shirt and it instantly bumps up the price incredibly. So nice their work. Uh, nice what is going on with me? Nice work there, Jeff at Kujan Music. Thank you. Jeff Kujan Music on Instagram. All right. So this one is pretty intense. Um, and I wish I knew more about these games. I could talk about them more, but this one came in as an email. Well, I, I can help you. I actually played on that console. Did you? Okay. So um, we got this email and um, I don't know if he wants to give, uh, us to give out his email, but well, I'll just give his well, name. He Mark. Just said, uh, well, he said, well, he, he, I asked him, I think it's, I think it's fine to share the store. Okay. Sure. Uh, okay. I'll share his I'll share his eBay store then. Okay. Uh, but I'll just right now I'll just say his name. His name's Mark. So Mark emails us and he says, "This is Mark speaking. Found fourteen of these type of games at Goodwill. I knew nothing. Maybe we won't. Okay. Okay. Uh, so found fourteen of these type of games at Goodwill. Knew nothing about them, and there were no comps. So on a hunch, he paid five dollars per game. Normally I do bins, but since I had no idea as to the value, I did a ten day auction." 
Uh, didn't get any bitters until the last 30 seconds and it went crazy. There must have been 50 cha-chings in that time. And then he gives us a picture for results. Um, I did apparently leave some money on the table because I got three emails from different people after the auction offering me more money for th these two games. I don't have a big Instagram and he, then he gives a store. Uh, so, okay. So these games, one of them was a Napoleon's campaign, uh, 1813 to 1815, uh, simulations from Apple II, um, SSI. What what console is this? Okay, so this is on the Apple IIe. So this is one of the original Apple computers Okay, from like the 80s. Okay, so, so it's I an remember Apple, this. It's a, it's a computer game. Yeah, so I remember this because in fifth grade, I finished all my history homework earlier, early and I would play Math Blaster and Where in the World's Carmen San Diego on this. Okay. So it's, it's a big deal. Nice. One of them was Napoleon. The other one was Bomb Alley. Uh, and these two games... One of them sold for $760 plus $12 shipping. The other one sold for $499.99 with $12 shipping. And that is, that's, that's amazing. I mean, $5 a piece on these. So turn $10 into $1,260. Good grief. Uh, I'm going to be looking for, uh, I'm going to be looking for those old Apple computer games. It, it's no so, joke. it's so strange because when I looked up, you know, I looked up the listing and I was just like, okay, I'm not like, I'm trying to understand, like, how would I spot this? Because you, if you look at the pictures, I mean, I'm sharing it's, it's a floppy disk, mm. right? With a bunch of manuals. And you're like, how many times do we see those in the store? Right. And just pass them up. So definitely keep an eye. Hey, I want to share real quick why I'm not going to share his store name. This is why it hurts your metrics when a lot of people go look at something and there's no conversion or when there's a bunch of watchers on, on the item and there's no conversion. That's one of the reasons Mike and I don't share our store names. You can obviously find them if you see our posts on Instagram, do keyword searches, but that's why we don't share because you just, I don't want to hurt his metrics. So he has, he's, he's done great. He actually had mentioned about the fact that he's able to help them purchase a home with wow. some of his eBay money. So I'm telling you, Stay in your lane, making it happen. Actually, he's he's an individual I was talking about that pretty much everything in his store, he he has an average cost of three fifty. Wow. Right? I mean that that's that's pretty good. I mean, but you know, he paid up on these ones. Five bucks. <laughs> that, that he did. So uh thank you so much. What was his first name again? Mark? Mark. Mark. Thank you, Mark, for this incredible hustle of the week. All right, we have voicemail now. Yeah, voicemail. Hey, Mike in Orlando. Uh, this is Alan. Um, just a, sorry, a few, a few months ago, I bought a brooch from the store that shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. I bought it for $4.29. Uh, and it just sold half an hour ago in auction for $2,600. What? So definitely be on the lookout for those. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for your information, and uh, I will be keeping it relevant, and, and uh, I'll keep reselling. Bye. Man, Alan, that is crazy. You know, that's so tools is the uh, the thing that I'm working on right now to like learn more about. But the next thing I want to get into is kind of costume jewelry, and then old like brooch, maybe some real jewelry. There's some money there, but there's a lot that isn't money. You know? Th that's the thing is, is I don't know anything about it. So to know, to be able to pick up a brooch for, for, you know, barely anything and to make $2,600, that's incredible. I mean, if this is, see, it's a stories like this that might make people want to jump lanes. Right. And what I think is this is a good thing to say like, okay, vintage, 
jewelry, vintage brooches, those types of things. Maybe I'm not doing that now. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the next couple of months and I'm going to spend 20 minutes a week, just researching a little bit about big ones. And then you're not going super hard, but if you're just, you got your eyes peeled, you're just looking for them because then you can go, Oh my goodness, that's a whatever, right? Like I just sold my Tiffany's, um, necklace and bracelet and I made, you know, almost $200 off of this is, you know, a little bit less than that, but in really fast, almost right after listing it. And that's one of the first pieces of jewelry I've ever picked up. Mm. Right. And it's only because I that's knew a great that start. it's because I knew that name. I knew Tiffany and co. And so if you know, if you can like look at logos and look at like the certain things and so brooches, I know there's money there, but again, I don't know anything about it. So don't jump lanes just because you hear somebody makes $2,600, but also let that be an inspiration to say, maybe I need to, uh, I need to, to educate myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with, with brooches, it's, I mean, is that how, is that the plural? Brooches? Brooch I always don't want to say brooch, but brooches. <laughs> I don't know, but, but here's the thing. Alan obviously knew what he had, right? Somehow it's something, you know, either he had been researching or, you know, he, where he bought it from somebody that shared the story. I mean, you got to get the info, but you know, the staying in your lane means don't right now we have like you know thousands of listeners now they're like all right we're gonna go to the thrift store and find the brooches like that's not the way to do it now it doesn't hurt to do some research maybe you know when mike does his his if he does that segment maybe you look into that and see what he comes up with uh but yeah i mean he knew what he was doing i mean all these individuals right if i look at Matt from Riot Town Hustle he obviously knew something about Looney Tunes right if i look at jeff jeff Kujan music Right. He, he deals with music. He obviously listens to Travis Scott. He saw him wearing the hoodie. He knew that that hoodie was money. Right. Uh, Mark, obviously. Right. Something he had knowledge from the past that, hey, these Apple to E games are going to be worth money. And so he picked them up. I mean, he paid five dollars. Maybe he didn't know that they're going to be worth over a thousand dollars, but he knew they were valuable. Right. And then Alan obviously knew what was up. All right. I'll start off with our hustle of the week. So I don't have, you know, I could share big money ones, but I wanted to share something that I really enjoyed selling. So part of staying in my lane has been, I really, I don't, uh, okay. I don't want to sound like I, I'm not anywhere close to even what is, what is the middle of the road? Like there's expert. What's the middle intermediate. Inter- okay. Intermediate. Uh, person on vintage trains. Like I know they sell and I know what to look for. I know that some of the different, you know, uh, uh, scales and the, and the, you know, what, what people are looking for. But even, even to this day, there's so much more I can learn, but I know that Lionel trains sell well, especially if they're vintage. And so I went to uh, a thrift store and I found one of those bags and this bag was like hiding underneath, like no one was touching it. And I looked at it and I saw all different, you know, uh, railroad train cars on there. And I know that with those, if they're Lionel, even if they're the cheaper end ones, even if there's a little bit of wear, I can still sell for each of them for 10 to 20 bucks. So it was $40 and I picked it up. Actually, uh, there was a, another reseller there. Uh, George, you know who you are. And I said, Hey, take a look. There's a transformer in here. This transformer alone can sell for $40. So I'm already going to make my money back on everything. So I, I took the bag, I went home, I made an IG story. Within it, there was about eight pieces in there. So I paid about $5 per piece. 
So right away, I started doing some research and I listed the very first part. This was, I'm grateful for our social media reselling community. Somebody had messaged me and there was a, there was a car on there. There was a missile. It was like a missile thing where you put missiles on the car and, and it's supposed to shoot out actually, but it was missing all the missiles. And somebody had messaged me and said, Hey, by the way, this one has actually the black lettering on the console, which is rare and sells for more money. So I was like, all right. So I listed it for $64.99. Just that one car with all the missing pieces. It sold within two hours, full price. Hmm. Just that one. Then after that, I also had a locomotive with a coal car that came with it. It was missing all the parts, wasn't working. I listed it as for parts not working. That one sold within a day for $38 plus shipping. So I'm already in the profit. So what is that? 50 bucks already profited on this bag. Then after that, I sold another car for, it was like just a red gondola car for 15 bucks. Then that transformer that I thought was 40 bucks, it was messed up. Like the wires were all broken and so on. But I still sold it for parts for $22 plus shipping. Right. And I still have uh, three or four more other parts of that bag that need to sell. But it's kind of like a hustle of the week and it's kind of like a bolo, right? Don't hesitate on looking through the area where they throw a bunch of stuff in bags. So sometimes what they do is they throw, throw stuff in there not knowing what they have. Now, this store knew. I mean, they were charging 40 bucks for the bag. So I'm pretty sure they knew that they had something just not exactly what's on there. But I, I call it a hustle of the week because being in my lane, already knowing what I know about trains played a huge part in me picking up this bag that most people ignore. They're like, 40 bucks? That looks like trash. And I looked at it, and I'm like, no, there's money to be made. And I took it home, separated it all out, listed it, and you know, I've already profited over $100, and I'm going to make more when the other pieces sell. So that's most of the week. Nice. And then mine kind of goes, I'll, I'll kind of mention it with that, that Tiffany sale, uh, because this weekend, uh, it didn't work out for garage sales. I was actually out pretty late Friday night, and I'm usually not. Uh, but I went and hung out with some friends, and we played some games. And so I didn't get home till really late. And I had found this um, local community like fair and it was supposed to have uh, it's like a rummage sale and like hot dog trucks and all kinds of like a band and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, this will be fun to bring the family to. It doesn't start till nine. So I get up and I'm getting ready and I'm looking at it a little bit more. And I realized like, oh, the, this is like a, a mobile home park and it's in an area where I haven't had success before. And I'm like, this, this I don't think it's worth it. And I don't know how big the rummage sale is going to be. Like, I don't think it's like every house is going to have stuff, but is it going to be, cause it was like a craft fair too. And I didn't know if they just put both titles in there. So we're like, you know what, let's go get breakfast and then let's go to the office and let's just list a bunch of stuff. And so we had to redeem the time. I, I was like, I'm not going to waste a Saturday morning. So we had breakfast as a family and it was really nice. And then we came and we put a show on the iPad for my son and we listed like 30 items. We just got a bunch done. And within like that day, like three or four of those items sold. And one of them was those, those Tiffany necklace and bracelet. Huh. And so the reason is a hustle of the week is I took what was potentially a loss, right? Like by the time it was like 830 and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think it's worth going to this place. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there goes my garage sales for today. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know what? Let's, let's redeem this time. One with family time, which is still really, really important. In fact, I, I find it to be the most important. And then two, we got a bunch of listing done. We got through a big part of our death pile and we made some money. So you can always redeem time and it's a hustle. 
don't don't let yourself say, oh, I didn't have success at, at thrift stores or garage sales and then just give up that day. Find another way to be productive, to hustle, and then to turn your time into money so that you can buy better time when you can. There you go. Make that a shirt. Buy better time. That's right. So, all right. That's some, that's a good hustle. We, we had some, I have just, if we, if we just spent, if you listen, if you're not following that hashtag hustle a week, you need to on Instagram, there is so much, so many bolos, so many great stories. I wish we had time to fit them all in. So thank you so much. All right. Before we move on, uh, what I find is our hustle of the year is ability for us to use school shaver, right? Because it saved us money at the barber. It saved us on razors. And has an incredible rechargeable battery. And thank you to all of you that have bought through SchoolShaver.com. And, you know, let us know in the comments if you have and it was worth it to you. We'd like to know because I got to tell you, it's consistently my go-to just because sometimes you run out of time. Sometimes I got to get to the podcast and I haven't had time to look, you know, so fresh and so clean. And so that's Skull Shaver. I use the Pitbull. What do we have? The Platinum Pro Pitbull. Yeah. Okay. And it's. It's it's yeah. platinum. It, it's good. So uh, check it out. Skullshiver.com. Our promo code is pure. And there's also a link. That's right. So, all right. Let's get to the last part here. So now you know your lane. You know what you're supposed to be doing. How do you make that lane more efficient? How do you get better at it? So I, I'll give you an example here. So if you if you caught if you've been following us on Instagram for the first year, you would see that Orlando was sourcing every day, like every day. There was I don't think there was a day I wasn't sourcing. I mean, every once in a while, maybe, you know, I didn't show it on Instagram, but I was sourcing every day. Right now, I only source twice a week. I only source usually on on one weekday. I don't want to share it too much because we got some of our San Diego listeners and, you know, I'm not hoping to bring competition to the table. And. On Saturday, garage sales like that. That's it. I don't source any other time. Now, there are some exceptions. There are certain places I go to like once a month and I source or if there's a local deal, I'll go out to a local deal or if I get bored, I'll go to a thrift store. But to make money, to keep, you know, my finances paid and and being able to build wealth, I just go twice a week. And the reason being is I found that going to a certain store and Buying so only certain items was way more efficient than me traveling and going to a bunch of stores and then hoping that I'll find stuff. So I ended up saying, you know what? This is my lane. I know what's at the store. I know what's profitable in the store. I know what to pick up. And so I'm just going to do this consistently until it dries up. And so far, so good. I started doing this in the latter part of 2020. And right now it's it's made my life a lot easier. So then on the other days of the week, I'm just, I can focus, obviously, spending time with my family and relaxing, but I can focus on just listing these items. So I'm picking up a lot of items. Uh, garage sales are so good because I may not pick up a lot sometimes, but the stuff I'm picking up is super profitable, right? So it's completely worth my time to go. Like this last one, I think I'm going to drop a YouTube video on this on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, I spent, I think it was like 40 bucks and I'm probably going to make close to a thousand dollars when it's all said and done. Totally was worth my time. So that's what I mean by sort of now. Have you been more efficient in your sourcing? Yeah, I've got kind of into a routine right now where uh, specifically with Saturdays, um, I, I try and source a specific neighborhood area and time it so that I end my golden hour around there. 
Uh, and the reason being is there's a swap meet in that area. And so I try and get to the swap meet by like nine or nine 30. I spend an hour or so there and then I'm home by 11. And the nice thing by doing it that way is unless there's a specific neighborhood um, garage sale or a uh, community garage sale where I can get a whole bunch of houses, I can pretty much guarantee the houses in the neighborhood that I'm ending my golden hour in are, it's a pretty affluent neighborhood. Uh, there's there's enough stuff there that I'm going to be picking up good things during garage sales. And then I've got the swap me as like my my backup. And it makes it much more efficient. Whereas I used to kind of drive over to whichever neighborhoods. And I've over time realized, avoid this one. There's just not money there. Um, I can go to that neighborhood and there's it's definitely an affluent neighborhood or there's there's uh, good sourcing there. But maybe there's only two garage sales in in a 10 mile radius and it's just not worth it. So I've kind of been able to hone my sourcing in and make it more efficient. And then again, knowing which thrift stores to avoid, which days to go to different thrift stores. And so, yeah, knowing when to source is definitely crucial. And that's something you're going to improve over time as you go. Again, if you're just starting out, uh, you you kind of have to tr- do a little bit of everything. If you're, if you're trying to figure out what the best day to go to a thrift store is, it might take you a couple of weeks of going every day at a couple different times during the day until you realize, okay, this is when they're stocking. This is when they're getting their shipments in. And then that time you upfront load into, you know, figuring it out, education. I feel like education is the most important part, knowledge. Once you have that knowledge, then your system will be more efficient. But if you're just guessing, you've got no idea. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, you know, once you figure out what you're good at sourcing, find the optimal places for you to get a, get a lot of that inventory. All right, remember, I'm full-time, so I'm able to just source twice a week and still be full-time. Right. And I'm not I, I'm not paycheck to paycheck. I'm doing all right. And so you definitely can make it happen. You just got to get to a place. I think of, uh, you know, shout out to Renzi now. I, I don't know if they listen to our podcast, but if you you watch them, they, they've been doing shoes for three years and they just keep scaling and scaling and scaling. And uh, they had a they had a you know what? I want to share their quote because I thought it was I thought it was really good because. You know, we get you can get caught up in just saying, hey, I'm going to source everything. But I do think that once you find something that works for you, you just got to find the best way to get that get that inventory. Right. Because it's definitely going to help you. So I thought this was really good. They said when sourcing used shoes, you can either go to a lot of thrifts, say no to almost everything and only bring home the pairs that need very little cleaning. Or you can only go to a few thrifts and learn how to deep clean the dirtier shoes with no damage that will take longer to clean up. Both options require sweat equity, right? So you got to find what's, what's working for you in that lane. Are you going to go to a bunch of stores or are you only going to go to one store? Are you going to go just to the bins or are you just going to do retail arbitrage? Whatever is working best, that's where that's where you put that fuel to the fire and you just keep moving. All right, then systems, right? So once you get your sourcing down, right, you know what product, you know where you're going to go. I think part of making that lane more efficient is having systems in place. And one of the simplest one is organization, right? If if you've been, you know, I see we talk about organization all the time, but I'm telling you, it will change your business. If, if you have at least maybe even just 50 items, if you don't know how to get to those items within seconds, and you keep going and you keep building and you get to 500 items, 1,000, 2,000, you're going to only lose more time exponentially, right? So once you know what you're sourcing, then you can be, figure out what is the best way to organize this? What is the best way to get to it, 
right? What what is the most efficient? So I'll give you an example. So I do a lot of used shoes. And some people like having their shoes on shoe racks, right? And so they can see what shoes they have and they just pick them out. For me, that doesn't work. I have, I don't know how many pairs I have. 600, 700 pairs of shoes. I'm not sure how many. But for me, <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. I buy office trash bags from Costco and I put my shoes in those office trash bags and I put them in the Costco black and yellow totes and I use a custom skew label and that's where they're at. So when it sells, I know exactly what tote it's in. It's already in that office trash bag. I've never had anybody say, man, this is bad. You're using office trash bags. Like no one has ever said that to me. And I just grab it and I know whether I'm going to put it in a medium flat rate box or if it's something that's local, that's going to be less for me to ship. I just put it in a 12 by six by six box or I ended up having to use a 15 by 10 by six eBay box if it's something that's new in box. Right. So I have a system in place for shoes. I don't spend any time thinking about, you know, how long is it going to get me to going to take me to get to my inventory? How long is it going to take me to ship? What shipping supplies I use? I already have that system in place and I'm able to move quick. Yeah. And, and kind of along those lines. So when we first started again, going with that idea of when you're starting out, you don't have the option to be picky yet. You kind of have to do what we have to do. Um, for us, it was boxes. I saved every box. I begged people for boxes and we just had piles of boxes and it took us forever to look through and find, okay, what box size is this going to fit in? And as we built our business and we started having more and more money now doing, you know, monthly purchases on eBay of boxes of various sizes that we know we use a lot of, even though it costs more money, it's worth it to us because we have enough cash flow coming in that we'd rather spend that money than spend a bunch of time looking and do we have the right size boxes and will it fit in this one? Now we got to use a bunch of packing material. And so we only save boxes if they're like a unique size that we know like, oh, we've got an item that we don't really have a box like this for. So it, it took time to get there, but recognizing like these are the four or five boxes that we use the most. Let's make sure we constantly have these in. We're saving time. And it took us a while to get to the place where we were comfortable with making those monthly purchases and just always having those boxes available. Um, so those types of systems, you want to kind of get dialed in. You want to figure out the best way to do it. We have whole episodes where we talk about, you know, setting up space for pictures, setting up packaging spaces. Uh, but just in general, just your entire day, I'm a big advocate that you have to plan your days out. And I know Orlando's maybe not as hardcore about that, but I think... I'm getting there. I think that if you don't write out or plan your day Every day. I do this even on the weekends. Actually, I do plan my day in my head. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing at every hour. I mean, then that works. I mean, so if, you, if you've got that, that works. But a lot of people, they just don't know. Like, if you were to say, like, oh, I never have time. They've done studies where they ask people, like, okay, people who say they don't have time. And they've asked them to literally, at a 15-minute increment, write down what they were doing. And then recognizing how much time they spent scrolling through Facebook. How much time they spent watching TV. How much time they spent sitting doing nothing. And it's like, wow, I've got like three hours here today of, of really, I didn't do anything productive. But if you were to just as simple as wake up in the morning or even before you go to bed, this is the best way to do it. It helps me to sleep better. I write down three to five things that like I have to get done tomorrow. I got to get these three, five things. And then I write two or three things like I want to get done. Like these are some other projects that I kind of want to get started on, get some stuff done. Then I can sleep because it's not like on the back of my mind. I've got to do this. I've got, I've already wrote down on my piece of paper, uh, clean through my uh, email box, email these parents, um, list 15 items. And so I'm not thinking about those things. I know like tomorrow I'm going to do those things. Then do all of those things that are on your must do, have a time for them, get them done. And if, if you did not write on your must do list, watch TV, then don't watch TV until you have all of those five mm -hmm. things done. Once you get yeah. those five things done, then you could look at your want to do and you can go, 
well, maybe watching a movie because there's a certain movie I want to watch my family that's on my want to do, um, then you, you get it in there and you make it work. But if you just go day by day and you really don't keep track of what you're doing, you're wasting time. And so when it comes to reselling, make that a couple of your things. Maybe you're not a full-time reseller. So you just have on your list tomorrow, I need to take the car to the mechanic. I need to do these two things at the work. I need to do this. I need to source five items or I need to list 10 items or I need to go through my inventory and work on and just write it down and then and then do it and check it off and you get a dopamine rush. Like we have, we've been programmed uh, as people like we get, we let technology program us to like the dopamine hits every time you see an Instagram, every time and it's cheap dopamine, right? And the problem with that is it makes it so we're almost never satisfied. But the more that you do certain things that take a long time, list 20 items and then you mark that off, that's a pretty good dopamine hit. But it took a while to get there. And if you haven't been saturating yourself all day long with like, ha funny cat video, ha funny cat video, then all of a sudden there's that reward that happens there. And you're going to find yourself becoming more and more productive day after day because you're searching for that same excitement. You're searching for that feeling of accomplishment and you're getting it through doing those things you need to do. And one of the things that's almost like counterintuitive, it seems like, but the more I, I track the things I need to get done, I realize not only do I have time to do things, but like, there's so much more to get done. I'm like, my, my to-do list always grows and grows and grows. And I look back and I go, man, last week, I barely did anything this week. Now that I'm getting a bunch of stuff, there's so much more to do. And if I would have been doing this last week and last month, I'd be so much further along. So write down at least a few things you need to get done and figure out what that is for your business. How can you make your system a little bit better and be more productive? I had a question for you. Is our soundboard ready to go? If we need what, a sound, what maybe what sound do we I, need? I think we have some breaking news. Ooh, breaking news! Can we Hold do, on. Some, can yeah, we do some breaking news? This is, this is an update to our hustle of the week. I think I think we need the sound. Breaking news! There's an update, and I don't know anything that's going on here, but it it seems to be important, and so I am going to kick it off to Orlando out on the streets. What's going on out there? This is the first ever on a podcast. So. Uh, Alan, who sold that brooch, messaged us in the middle of the podcast. Mm. And remember that brooch that sold for $2,600? Well, actually, he sent us that message and the auction wasn't done yet. Hmm. And actually, I have the name of it so we can actually know what we're looking for. So, all, so said he, he messaged, messaged us back about being excited about being on the podcast. Said, thank you guys so much. Not sure if it's already recorded, but I don't want to let you know that not all the bids had, had gone through when I first called. So my wife, I, my wife and I ended up getting $3,250. Whoa. So this is an Art Deco Platinum Frosted Rock brooch. I, it looks Deco. cool. There you go. And Platinum. Platinum. <laughs> I mean, that is amazing. So. Great job. Thank you for the update. And uh, you just never know. I can't wait. I mean, I've had some moments where I've made a ton of money, but I've never had that one item. You know what I mean? You haven't had the uh, the $3 to $2,600 yet? <laughs> yeah, or $3,200. Or $3,200. So, hey, thank you, Alan. Thank you for the update. Appreciate breaking our podcast for that news. All right. So, no, I 100% agree with Mike about you, you have to have. Yeah. You, again, it's about once you're in your lane then planning out what you're going to do once you're in that lane. Now, that also goes with scaling. So I wanted to talk about the idea that, you know, this happens all the time, right? People build their businesses, right? And then they get, they get, an, they get a storage unit and then they get maybe two or three. I know some resellers have six or seven storage units. I know some resellers that have warehouses. 
And so you got to find what's more efficient in your lane, right? I had talked about in the last podcast how I'm running out of space in, in the place that I'm living and maybe it's time to move on, but I'm not going to move on. I pay, I, the, the amount of rent that I pay is just such a good deal. Like it, it wouldn't be worth it to me right now at this point in time with the lack of inventory and housing, the amount of prices. Yes, I know we have 0% interest rates and, and all that, but right now, I have so much cash available that I'm not putting into a uh, paying rent or a house that for me, I'm going to stay and I'm going to just, I'm going to figure things out. Right. I'm going to, I don't want the overhead. I want, I almost, I mean, there was a place across the street that I did consider uh, renting. It would have been super but sweet. Just think for a second. Had yeah. you have bought back when we first were doing uh, like richest man in Babylon, mm-hmm. when we first were doing, um, all of the books on finance where I was like, you got to buy a house, got to buy a house, got to buy a house. I, I didn't have the capital. You would have tripled time. your money. I just didn't have the money at that time to do it though. Like I, I felt like I would have been house rich, but liquidity poor. Like I wouldn't have been able to make the moves I make now. So that's why. And, and now if, if I were to be able to go back in time with the ability that I have now, I probably would have back then. But right now, I mean, I just don't. So, so you see, it's super tempting. I'm not saying Mike is... Is, is giving me bad advice. I think it's great advice. But hearing that, like, I one of you guys had put a comment on, like, boo, you're not getting a house. And I'm like, I just I can't. I can't fall into the FOMO. I just yeah. can't. Right now, the market's really bad. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's people right now who've already double, tripled over what their value was a couple mm-hmm, of years mm-hmm. ago, you know? But, you know, we've interviewed people, too, that have moved into a warehouse. And they're like, you know, if we had to make the choice again, we probably would have waited a little bit longer to get into a warehouse. Right. So you got to find the lane that you're in and, and you got to find what works best for you. And right now it's it's getting interesting. I mean, I, <laughs> to say the least, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not having, you know, family gatherings in my place. I mean, my place is de- I mean, you're good. You can come over and we have dinner and whatever. But uh, it is it's just getting the spaces dwindling down. And so you have to find I would say if if you don't feel comfortable doing it. I, I'm just, I, I know we talk about like entrepreneurs are risk takers and, and they're willing to, you know, do this and that. But for me, I'm just, no, I'm good in my lane. I, I things are profitable. I have a lot of ability to be able to move and go wherever I want, when I want. Uh, I don't, I don't ever stress about my finances at all. And so, yeah, I, again, you got to think about it for your scaling. Now, if the opportunity came up, Mike, and you know, where we live, I mean, where we, I love where we live. So I never want to leave this location. Right. And so if an opportunity came up and it was something I, I had to move on, I would move. Right. But again, it ha- it would have to be within my lane. Like it would have to have the same, it would have to have amazing eBay storage space. It'd have to be, you know, uh, distance wise, not too far from places I like sourcing, uh, it also would have to be, you know, one of the things I want is I want the ability to have an employee to access it without me having open doors or gates or any of that. And so, uh, you know, I could actually have a helper that could do shipping for me. So all I'm doing is seriously just sourcing. Right. So, yeah. So I know, but I get what you're saying, but that's part of, you know, being efficient in your lane, finding out, okay, is it time for me to move? What am I scared of? Am I be, am I doing the wrong move by listening to Orlando? Maybe I'm able to move on and I need to move on and I need to buy that larger house or get that warehouse or that storage unit, whatever is going to help me grow my business. Yeah. So, all right. 
We good? We good. All right. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully that brought you a lot of value. Make sure to stay in your lane or leave your lane or change lanes if you need to. Or do whatever you want to do. If you're a grown adult, you can make decisions. Do cost-benefit analysis. Don't listen to us unless our advice is good. 100%. Keep it real. And as always, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Late. Peace.